You're listening to Vince and Matt on the Montreal Marketeers Podcast. Welcome to another episode with the Montreal Marketeers. My name is Vince. Your name is Hogan? It's Matt. Oh, Matt. 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 Hello. <laughs> We're here with Polly Sleep. Hi, Polly Sleep. Hey. Maria. Hi. Want to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Maria. I am in charge of the PR and communications here in Polisley. Uh, so yeah, basically, I'm in charge of this type of interviews and present the brand out uh, to the people. Jeremiah? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yes, uh, Jeremiah Curvers. I am the co-founder and uh, I'm in charge of that wonderful business right now. Um, so very happy. Uh, to have you guys over to discuss about that uh, wonderful project we have, yeah? Perfect, we're happy, we're very happy as well. Thank you. We've taken a bit of a break, uh, you guys reached out to us and we were really excited about the business, uh, did some research on you, and uh, yeah, so how did this all come apart? I think it's been three years, Polysleep is in existence right now? Yeah, a little bit more than three years. Um, we had amazing growth uh, due to probably, uh, most of it is actually organic. Uh, we've been re refocusing our efforts in, in Quebec. We're a Quebec brand. Everything is made in Montreal. Um, so we're a mattress company that sleep uh, that sells also other sleep products. So uh, our line actually grew quite a lot this year. That was part of what uh, we wanted to do. Um, so yeah, it's uh, very exciting. Uh, we're actually in Quebec, the third largest bed in the box company now uh, after some other uh, American and, and massive Canadian brands. So. Uh, we plan on uh, continuing to do so. And have you always sold mattresses or in the past? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> so, like, Who is there? Yeah. I don't know. Well, you never know. No. Has this always been a passion of yours? Or It's funny. Uh, the, the first time I probably tried to sell a mattress was when I was seven years old at my dad's shop because he had a furniture shop in France. There we go. Um, if I sold any, I don't remember. It was probably because I was uh, the cute little bus. <laughs> the, the, the bus kid. So... Uh, no, um, I'm actually born in France. My, my dad had multiple furniture businesses, um, Okama, Bois Chiffon, uh, who became massive franchise in Europe uh, and in France. Um, we moved to Canada. Um, he, he basically moved uh, for me, my brother and my sister because he was seeing a lot more opportunity here going forward uh, and I'm really grateful to that because uh, France is becoming ex extremely complicated now uh, to start a business. We're all entrepreneurs. My sister have a business. My brother have a business here in Canada. Uh, my brother is in Toronto. My sister actually is in uh, Irescliff. So okay. she, she kinda, she's kind of very far, but uh, she have a cosmetic uh, and, and bath bomb company that uh, is actually sold in 150 pharmacy now. Nice. She's still doing it at home and all. So we're, we're going to have that. We're going to have to have her on the podcast too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the whole family. So <laughs> we, we're a family, like we're all entrepreneurs in the family. So, um, and it's funny because I was saying to myself, since we arrived here, I'm not going to be an entrepreneur. It's just the high are too high, the low are too low. Um, Obviously, my dad went through a divorce because of that. You know, being an entrepreneur, there's a lot of sacrifices that, that come with that. So, originally in my career, I studied uh, graphic design. I'm a big uh, game, uh, music, uh, electronic music, and, and geek stuff enthusiast. Nice. Um, so, I actually, um, as I was studying, started working in bars, DJing, uh, graphic design. So, I studied graphic design and... Uh, I dropped out 
when I had three months to do, which basically were the stages. Yeah. That's how they were, they were calling them then. So you, we had to take on projects for the school. And I just said, you know what? If I'm about to do a project, I already have the skill set. I'll do it for myself and make some money out of it. Yeah. So I started my first business, who was a disaster. Um, because we quickly realized that was when um, outsourcing became more and more popular. So you were charging two, three thousand dollars for a logo, business card and, and brand image. while people were just, especially in the small, medium businesses, outsourcing that in, in India or through, you know, in the Internet for 50 bucks. So that didn't work out really well. And uh, this kind of put me in an advantage position where um, I had my interview without having a lot of big scholarship background or, you know, a lot of uh, um, experience in, uh, in that industry. And, and I, I know I'm a good salesperson. So I was like, you know what, how can I make good money? And I went to Yellow Pages. And that's kind of how I ended up starting there, um, really learning how to, you know, try to sell these ads on, on these books when it was somehow still popular. And I quickly realized that um, in this landscape, a lot of SMBs were not necessarily aware of marketing. And they thought, even in 2009, 2010, that, you know, the yellow pages printed ads were the thing. And I was like, okay. Still held a lot of value. Yeah. And you know, these things were expensive. So anyway, I had, a, I had some success, decent success. Ended up having a team out there uh, growing through the echelon as the business was transforming, which was a very interesting moment where you were seeing that, that large company that for hundreds of, you know, almost a hundred years printing money. That's what they were doing, right? Yeah. Each color process was almost doubling the cost of that advertising. We're talking four color process, half a business card in Montreal was over $500 a month. Mm-hmm. And shifting that towards that digital landscape, making websites and trying to get people on yellow pages that CE, where actually the platform is not necessarily performing as much as what it was before, you know, yeah. um, was a hell of a challenge. And, and, and that helped me understand how hard it is nowadays for an SMB to have that many hat, you know? When you have a restaurant or, 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 you know, a garage, you don't have time to educate yourself on digital marketing or traditional marketing or PR or events like that. So <clears throat> I got very interested by this and um, I started doing a bit of consulting for SMB uh, on the side and I ended up working for a startup that was, uh, that, that have been created within Yellow Pages called Mediative. And the role of Mediative was to migrate uh, large national account revenue from printed books toward digital strategy, but much more advanced strategies, SEO, uh, very advanced UX, SEM. And uh, Patrick Lauzon um, was uh, the person who, who hired me in his team. Uh, a lot of very talented people out there. Um, and that's where I would say I learned most of my skill sets toward digital marketing. So through that, um, uh, I, I've learned a bit about operation. I've learned a bit about optimization for, for businesses. I did some Six Sigma belts, um, went to Harvard to get some uh, consulting uh, <coughs> skill set, a good, a good uh, toolkit to, to mm-hmm. talk with these large enterprise, basically. Did, while, while you're at Yellow Pages, do you find that like you were constrained or they actually let you grow? like in the, in the vision that you had? Or do you feel there's a lot of like big corporation 
red tape everywhere. Oh yeah, there is a lot of it. And, and you know, you gotta embrace that because large structure like these that have been there for a hundred years, they, they kind of build these sandboxes where it's very hard from one to another to communicate. Uh, they call that silo. It's very popular nowadays in large enterprises. We need to break silos, right? But when you think of it, software as a service was not something very popular before. So it was very hard to shift from a system that you pay millions of dollars to another or an accounting system to another, which is kind of different now. I can drop an app from Shopify or decide to go to Magento tomorrow. It's going to be a bit of work, but I can do that. So yeah, I was quite limited because you know, you're know you in sales and you're not in marketing. Mm. And, and so yes, but again, that, that helps you understand what are the struggle these big companies have and eventually how to capitalize on that when you go on the other side. The, but, the problem too I find is <clears throat> with Yellow Pages especially, because I was consulting one company and helped them grow a local <clears throat> foundation repair company. And there's a lot of promise and a lot of under deliver yes. uh, on their part. Uh, they'll promise the world, and what they're really acting is it's, it's a buyer's guide, if you look at that it. That is it's, correct. Yep. It's a buyer's guide, and if they don't get enough traffic, there's no ROI for you. And if you try to track it with Yellow Pages, it was very hard for them to say, oh, but we gave you X amount of conversions, goals, oh. or whatnot. And then their, their .ca program with building a website was was very tough, because you could we did it with Squarespace. Yep. For, Thirteen dollars Canadian a month. You know that's how we started off, and then we built a company out of zero to over a million dollars within two years, without Yellow Pages and all this aid, and more on the SEO side, more on where's the quality links, where are the quality blogs out there that talk about home renovation, yeah. talk about DIYs and so forth. That has value. Just going to Yellow Pages saying you're going to solve my problems because that's what they would say. We'll open the floodgates. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. And you know it's it's I mean. We're going to move on, but yes. it's normal. When you're, like I was saying, for 100 years or close to, their margin, net, right, profits were over 80%. Yeah. How can you shift to a business model that is digital where you're actually feeding off a company that is basically, that took over you, which is Google or Facebook? You're making like 5 10% profits? And they try to automate as much as possible because their client base is still nowadays probably one of the largest in Canada. So out of the blue, you open the gate and you got to make tens of thousands of websites by month, every month. Mm. It's very hard to automate. So I saw that transformation. It was hectic. And that kind of helped me decide to, to move toward more like enterprise solution, customized solution, where you really see what are the struggle of the customer versus the markets, and you really have the, 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 the money to really start investigating, okay, where there's friction and how can we help them? And that's what I was doing at Mediative. So it's, it's uh, you go from, you know, a shop toward mm -hmm. a, a custom, a custom solution, you know, business, and and that that what that's uh, that's what was very exciting when I was there. So let me guess, you're you're lying in bed, your back was hurting, uncomfortable mattress, and you thought, policy. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it, it's it's funny. So I've been uh, I've been uh, working for Mediative for uh, a little bit more than than five years, and and. Uh, during that time, some of my friends and some people I knew asked me for advice, so I did a bit of consulting. And one of my, uh, one of my good friends, um, uh, who's actually the, the, um, the other co-founder, told me about um, 
that revolutionary uh, technique to compress full mattresses and, and roll them in a box. And we were starting to see and hear a little bit more about Casper, who was grow going through a lot of VCs, fun rounds, and you know, uh, even though they were not the first, they democratized that, uh, that concept. And at that specific time, uh, I knew a friend of mine who was in the film industry. Um, and, and, and I told him I had a couple of discussion and said, you know what, um, with the other co-founder, maybe we can start something because it seems that um, by having this connection, we can start looking at what really from a product standpoint can be optimized. And with my experience in marketing, I can help you out build that business. Because nowadays with platforms such as WooCommerce, Shopify, Magento, it's quite easy to test something now if it works, cool. If it doesn't work, well, you kill the project. End of the story, right? Yeah. Um, so that's actually how I started working a little bit with Polysleep. And I was still working at Meditiv. So it was a little bit more, I would say, a, a consulting hat where I was telling them, okay, you need a marketing stack. What is a marketing stack? Well, you need a, you, if, it's like a shop. You need a point of sale. So you need a website where you're going to drive traffic. That traffic, you need ad account from Facebook, Bing, Google, to drive traffic there. Then you need, obviously, to manage inventory. So you can do that through Shopify or there's other software, et cetera, et cetera. Um, as the business was slowly growing and, and I was investing a little bit and more time, I would say month over month, um, I had the opportunity to actually jump in and, and really get parts in that and, and say, like, you know what? You're somehow the co-founder. You didn't put that hat from day one, but would you like to invest yourself more in the business. And I thought about it. Um, and at that specific time, Mediative was about to be shut down because Yellow Pages wanted to restructure uh, and, and put all the money they had into Yellow Pages, the core business. So it was either I would stay in a market of digital marketing, go and, and get another job there, or really try to... Um, make polysleep happen and really focus my energy there. And this is where I guess that entrepreneur background kind of... Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, until then, it seems like you were an entrepreneur. You know, you're kind of in yeah. an organization yeah. growing, yeah. helping that organization grow. So I'd, I'd be curious to know why, you know, what really gravitated you to saying, oh, I'm going to make the jump and I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to lead this to and success. What I think it's also interesting is when you were discussing, like, past clients or when you're consulting where it's not just you didn't talk necessarily just about the marketing you talked about the problems they had yeah. the business problems they have which is did you bring that too to the table like it's Definitely. you might have been hired for marketing but you know certain processes where they can break so you you're worried about that and you can plan for that to make sure it doesn't happen definitely definitely that that helped and building a digital business is very different than building as a regular smb at the core of it the type of talents you need is very different right do you internalize SEO or not? Do you internalize ad spend or not? And, and this is where my experience really helped because for example, if you really wanna, this is maybe a bit more technical, but if you don't go through an agency and wanna have your own data management platform internally, the cost of it's gonna be humongous. So you can actually, if you know that, leverage an agency to utilize that and somehow save money. Yeah. So you can put resources elsewhere. So yeah, that, that helped me a lot. And uh, on that topic, I'm just curious because we've talked about this many times. Uh, I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. But mm. When you're outsourcing other services, whether it's logos and marketing help, do you recommend a small business kind of bootstrapping it and doing it themselves and learning along the way, making mistakes, 
Does it cost less to make the mistakes with AdWords and then perfect it or to pay upfront mm -hmm. a managing fee? That's one thing that I've, I've always kind of balanced as well. In terms yeah. I don't think there's a good or, or bad way to do it. What I strongly believe is that at the end of the day, you're talking to a consumer. So you should control everything that is in line with creatives, message, and what's going to be in front of your consumer. The rest, basically, how do I connect them? You know, that can be automated. And if you know enough and you put enough pressure, positive pressure on your partners, it's going to end up working or you just change partner. You know, in three years, we changed four times the agency we have. And now we have a good match. And these were people I knew. And two of them told us, you know what? You're asking too much. And I know that because I know how margins work in the agency world. I know like they're going to charge you 150, 185 bucks an hour. And that they're going to tell you you have X amount of hour on the account. But I know for a fact that these hours, this is where they make profit. If there's a junior on the account versus the four hours you have with a senior talking with them. So... I'm kind of good at trying to, you know, hit the sweet spot where I'm not killing them anymore because that's what I was doing at the beginning. You know, I was just asking for too much. And at some point they're like, guys, we're losing money with you. Good for you, but we're losing money. Where now I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in that sweet spot. Um, it's tricky to do if you don't have experience. I was going to say, yeah. what, what would be the five questions you'd ask? Because I know I, I've heard from many yeah. uh, people that I always want to know who is actually working on my account, specifically yeah, on- Not the agency team. itself, who yeah. is taking so care of it? Who is yeah. taking, who is my account yeah. manager? Who is my team technically at your, at your facility, your location? So yeah. then they would look on LinkedIn and see how, how are they in the retail space? How are they in this, yeah. you know, from the industrial world in industrial? There's no magic, uh, you know, I, I wish I had a, a recipe for that. What I often do when I change partner, if I change partner, and now we've, it's been quite a long time, we've been with the same, we're happy. There's always one thing I do. Uh, I invite them over, they meet the employees, and I invite them over to the manufacturing. They see how our products are made, and I give them either a pillow or mattress or something. Um, and I make them understand that these guys, not the account manager, not the director who sold me, but the guy who's going to work on my account, yeah. you're an extension of my company. You can make or break my company. I want you to understand what am I doing here? Why am I doing it? And here's a little gift. And that, I think... There's no hard statistic on that. Help me a lot. Well, they have to believe in your product, right? Yeah. It's not just, oh, I'm going to yeah. do this work. It's like, no, I, I want this to work. I actually believe it could work. And so I, if, yeah. you're, if you're a restaurant chain, you know, I would suggest, you know, it's maybe a bit trickier. But if you have the opportunity to invite not only the director and the boss and the VP, but the guy who actually will work 20 hours on your account to the restaurant and understand why you started that. Is it a family business? What you're specializing into and all, he might have some ideas that will down the line help you a lot more because he's the guy investing 20 hours a week, not the VP. Yeah. Well, you're, so, you're making also a, it's, it's, it's a very smart move because you're making a personal connection yeah. with that individual that they don't necessarily want to let down you as, as a person. As a person. Um, you know, when you just make yeah. that policy and there's someone working with policy, it's very different than saying it's a human. You're putting a human behind the brand. You have to. Uh, and that person's a customer too. It's so hard, but you have to, because yeah. like everything is going digital and, and, and you have to find ways around that. It's not because you sell something online through a channel where there's no physical connection that you can't, you, you, you have the, I think you still, and even actually furthermore, you, you have the, 
you need to care about what's going to end up in the hand of your consumer. And everything from that specific moment where the mattress is made until the guy from UPS, where often this is where we have frustration because we don't control them, <laughs> deliver the mattress or the by courier that, that in Montreal that give the, the mattress to the guy, um, you need to understand what's happening. And if there's problems, you need to be able to identify them. So it's not only marketing. Yeah, it's... So, um, so when you're taking policy for the first time, like when you're actually developing, what was more important? Branding or customer experience or product itself? Like to you, what did you focus on in the beginning? So to go back earlier, yeah. to finish the story about why I went full-time, I went to a golf tournament, bad move, double herniated disc, three months in bed. Mm. And I was like, even though I was saying it, because it's good for the consumer to understand, you know, we spend a third of our life, if not more, on a sleeping surface, it's important to care about that, just like nutrition nowadays becomes an increasingly popular subject. You know, do you go vegan? Do you eat too much meat? Do you need less meat? Do you train, etc.? Sleep, I think, is as equally, if not more important. And I'm reading every day about that. There's more and more studies coming out saying like screen exposure, cell phones. Our generation, generally speaking, believe it or not, have half the amount of deep sleep time the generation before had. You sleep as much, but you don't recuperate as well. So being bedridden, double area of the disc, scared like hell to have, you know, an operation that could go wrong or anything. Actually, I, got a, I had a good physio who actually is an ambassador now for our brand, um, helped me a lot. And after six months of rehabilitation, I was back on my feet. I didn't need an operation. I'm okay. Um, that convinced me to be, you know what, you have the opportunity to, to do something that can actually help a lot of people. And I was like, you know what, yeah, I'll give it a try. It's going to be fun. It's scary, but it's fun. So that's what got me into it. I had to, had a, I had to be bedridden for three months to think about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so then to get back to, I am curious about then the branding and how, because you have to find out who your customer is. And obviously there's probably a lot of work done behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. like, what, who is our customer? What are they interested in? What's most important to them? And how do we have a voice for this organization right. that fits that too? Mm -hmm. And it seems like for you, you are technically one of your first customers. Yeah. Like you were thinking yeah. as yourself as, okay, well, I'm in this situation. Yeah. We were selling the mattress at that point, but we still did some minor tweak and adjustment. Um, so how we approached the product development was, uh, was, was quite interesting. Um, at the end of the day online, especially in an international landscape, you can't, excuse me, the term bullshit your way around anymore. Because if you offer a mediocre product, mm -hmm. um, the lifespan of the company will be very limited. You might make money, but don't expect that brand to continue for quite a long time. So right from the get-go, uh, when I started working with Polysleep and working on the brand, my question to the investor was, okay, what do you want to do? Do you want to build a brand? Because I think that's where you can build something that is going to be eventually interesting for you, or you want to make a mattress company and squeeze the hell out of it. Hmm. And then get investment, make it big, sell it, get your cash back. And, and, and the idea was really, we want to make a brand that is going to, that's going to be sustainable and that's really going to push forward the industry. Knowing that, 
that changed a lot your mindset on how you develop and, 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 and make a product. We know that a thousand dollar is the is a price point that a lot of people will not pass when they buy a mattress or around a thousand dollar. This is for a queen or for a double. For a queen, I would say on average, okay. queen. But generally speaking, if psychologically, if someone buys a mattress, that thousand dollar is like it's like a car, you know, like. If you pass that $30,000, you go into another segment. And if you pass that sixty dollars or $80,000, it's another segment. And above $100,000, you know. So you fragment your market every time. So we knew uh, through a bit of research that that $1,000 price point with taxes was, you know, what we need to hit. And then we started deconstructing um, what we want to do. Foam innovation uh, was amazing. The traditional mattress was about the same thing, right? Uh, the spring, a spring is a spring, right? Mm -hmm. You can change a metal, you can change a quantity of it, but the function of a mm. spring is the same. So we went toward foam for a sole, for a sole reason that foam innovation allowed us to, to, to build a construct that was very interesting, but there's still some downside to it. And this is where we started analyzing. The good thing is that we're, we're one of the most recent company. So there was already a lot of bed in the box company out there that we could analyze. And these guys didn't put maybe as much effort building the product as we did. Hmm. And we tried to pinpoint every problem these specific mattresses had and tried to find a way around it. Again, without passing that, that $1,000 price point. And let's say innovations that they brought to the table. Yeah. You can look at that and say, okay, well, we need it to work like this. Yeah. Now you brought innovations to your product. Yeah. How do you... like? I'm sure your competitors are looking at you. You've grown yeah. quite a lot. And now yeah. you're part of the, the overall discussion, I would say, in Canada, maybe in the U.S. as well. So how do you stop? How do you get keep, remain different than your competitors at this point? And it's funny. None of our technique are uh, patented. Okay. And it's, it's, it's amazing how easy it is to uh, block someone from copying you when your margin are lower mm. than the, the market is. Just a, yeah, because yeah. let's face it, in our industry, margins are through the roof. Distribution costs a lot of money, uh, manutention, sales, brick and mortar, everything. And even an online company, uh, we're not as big yet as some of other Canadian competitor or American competitor because we're very picky and, and, and we pay attention to what our cost per acquisition or return on ad spend is for the sole reason that our mattress to produce cost about 20 to 30% more than any of our competitor, and we still sell it at the same price. And that's a long-term strategy because referral and, and, and long-term value proposition and returns rates are also lower than the industry. If you offer a better product, eventually people will catch up. One of the main factor, and it's funny, uh, the pop-up stores show us that. A lot of people who see our mattress for the first time that never have been exposed to a bed in a box, and they see our support frame. So I don't know if you, if you, yes. if you saw that. So this is something quite unique uh, to bed in a box. Um, we, it, it is actually taken from the healthcare industry where, you know, bed are smaller and they don't want patient to fall over. And foam have a very poor support on the edge because the air come out on the side and on top. So that really um, 
kind of cause issue with the structure of the mattress and you almost have the feeling that someone is trying to push you on the side of that. So that's why we created that side rail support. And, and that side rail support in terms of, of, of material and composition create a lot of complexity and cost when you build that. But that was a no-brainer for us. It's better for a consumer. Yeah, and yeah, and that's now your, people, that's marketing, basically. Yeah, and, yeah. and people who have, a, let's say, an, an, an Andy or a Casper, they, they don't have these technology. And they're like, oh my God, now I realize how much of a difference it makes. Might sounds like, okay, they still bought one of our competitors. But in the long run, if they have a conversation with someone talking about that in a box, I know for a fact they're going to complain about two things. It's too hot. And the support around the edge or when you sleep on the, where, when you sleep on the side of Matrix is, is terrible. Even if you pay like more than $3,000 for a, a Casper Wave. Mm -hmm. So that was really the fuel because it took like about 26 prototypes before we were able to nail that. And how, how often does a regular consumer buy a mattress? Um, nowadays, it's kind of it's accelerating because of marketing. Okay. <laughs> There's just so many fragmented brands. Before there was Serta, Silly, Temper, mm -hmm. and you were going to a mattress store every you know eight to twelve years, and the salesman was selling you something else. Now, if if any of your listener will look for one mattress brand, their Facebook feed is gone for the next six months. They're going to be retargeted, remarketed by. Uh, now I think we have around 175 different brand of bed in a box and it's going to it's going to increase because unfortunately uh, drop shippers and, and and sub brands are happening where they make cheaper product coming from china or they even actually squeeze the foamers to make cheaper foam um to to just get a bit of a, a bit of a, a, a slice of the pie and yeah. margin on that so um it's gonna it's gonna increasingly become more complex um but but yeah so so in like the purchasing cycle, like where do you try to get the customer? That's that's the hard thing, right? Because it's such. It's about it's about seven to ten years, okay. right? Um, because at the end of the day, they're gonna start looking at, at the new mattress when it's really done, hmm. uh, when the spring is hitting your back, yeah, or when you really are waking up and you have sore back. You're you're like, okay, my mattress is done. Technically speaking, uh, it's about seven to ten years. We suggest to start looking at your mattress after seven up to ten years and, and and it's just logical the heavier you are the more pressure you put on the surface the faster your mattress is going to degrade that's how it works and do you believe for yourself that you're still trying to convince consumers to buy from a, a mattress in a box company versus a brick and mortar or buy my mattress in a box versus my competitors like how do you yeah like how do you do that like it's, a, it's an interesting question I, I try not to focus too much on the details to me a the mattress in the box, the box nowadays, is a detail. Mm. It's just a way of more efficiently deliver that product to your house. If you have, you know, a bunch of stairs to go up, that box is very convenient. You can, I can ship in the same space six mattresses instead of one. It's better for the environment because obviously my carbon footprint is lower. I use less space to transport one mattress to another. Um, because of that, I can ship directly from my manufacturer to the consumer without any distribution in between. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many advantages. If someone comes tomorrow and find a way to compress it differently or in a better way, I'll jump, right? Mm -hmm. To me, the box is, is not a mean or, or a man. It's just a way to offer 
uh, more to the consumer. Unfortunately, like you said, there's a lot of people who capitalize on that on the way to market a, a new era of products. Uh, you can have a very good mattress in a box. You can have a $5,000 mattress in a box. If you look at the purples, I mean, the new ones are super expensive. It's crazy. It's over a hundred pound. It's still rolled and packed. Um, so at the end of the day nowadays, and you can they're, have a very crappy is, one. Is. Yeah, they're very funny. They're very funny. Yeah, they have a very uh, unique approach to marketing. I like that. They're different. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what we're trying to do is in the landscape, we really want to be the honest, I would say no bullshit brand. We massively invested in a product because we think that for a consumer at the end of the day, you don't care uh, if you had the white glove delivery because at the end of the day, you're sleeping on that mattress for 10 years. You don't care if it went through four different warehouses. You don't see that. Hmm. Um, and to a certain extent, we even changed the box, as you can see. Um, we went from a, a white tinted box to a recycled material with organic ink box that can use for compost. Not only recycling, because at the end of the day, the lifespan of that box is just so small. Why would I pay more or why would I hurt the environment when at the end of the day, after a week, you, you won't probably even remember how the box looked like. But what you're sleeping on for the next 10 that's years, what that's what matters. Yeah. So that's how I approach pretty much everything. And, that's, and I think that's very clear on the, on the website too. You really make it simple for someone to purchase online, understand what the right product is for them. I will say I may be a, a little bit of an old school buyer in the sense of I do like to jump on and test it out and, and sleep on it. Not sleep on it, but you know. You've already done that. He's it. already fallen asleep. They close like, the store exactly. next morning gets up. <laughs> um, so I do like that, you know, to try it out before. But I noticed on your website that there's a lot of ways that you could still try the unit for a ton of days and yeah. then send it back for free. Yeah, but it's 100 days. Yeah, 100 day trial. So my question is almost, it must be costly to do that. Yeah. Uh, did you try to find out what would be the return rate prior to offering that kind of service? Uh, and how that affects your overall business because <laughs> I can only imagine your return rate then if it goes up from 3% to 5 that's drastic that's painful it yeah. can be extremely painful so yeah. how do you mitigate that yeah and it's all the consumer choosing it's hard to oh absolutely um, so we didn't thought too long because at the end of the day if most Canadian bed in a box company offer that yeah. that became a standard so basically, so you got to go by the cent. It's like the same as the price point. Yeah. It's also the return. Yeah. Return policy. policy. You can't have it in the store. You got to try it at home. And we're confident that we're offering a better product than what you buy in a yeah. store. First they, they also can't machine roll it like you do, put it back in the nope. box nicely, <laughs> nicely no. and say, hey, here you the go. The second thing <laughs> is just like, you know, certain elements, underwear, for example. A mattress is a personal item that you can't restock and resell. Yeah. So a mattress that is returned is a loss. So I just want to say, we were having this debate yeah. on the way here and he thought he can take off a sheet. And nope. I said, absolutely yeah, not. Because nope. you know what? I can't remember which company it was that went to go visit. It was Dormy Vu or whatnot. But they basically said, oh, we'll take it back. Only if you buy this specific sheet. 200 covers, like two yeah, 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 special thing that, 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 and we'll take it back. Now, what they do with it, I don't know, yeah. but that was part of their program. Is they will not take it back unless yeah. you bought this $200. So legally speaking, uh, if you completely wrap that that mattress and make sure there's no risk of you know any type of contamination, yeah. you can technically speaking 
maybe maybe remove it and resell it. I think it's very risky, and I wouldn't do it, and I wouldn't suggest <laughs> to yeah. buy product that could potentially be you know returned on, on in that spectrum. Um, I think it's just a way to discourage people to return it. But I don't know what they do after with it. I know for a fact that legally, and even like myself, I wouldn't like to buy yeah. it. You know, you know, oh, yeah. PR-wise, you have one nightmare. One exactly. Is a disaster. exactly. Yeah. So uh, on the other hand, the other thing I like about the bed in a box is that there's no risk of contamination. Because think about it. You got this delivery guy who have 20 mattresses to deliver. And you take back the old mattress. Okay? You don't want to be the last guy. Because your new mattress is with 19 other old mattress in the same truck. Yeah. Potentially bad, but I don't know. That, that scares me as well. So um, what, we, what we thought about is really, okay, we can't uh, utilize that. But at the same time, from an environmental standpoint, it, it is a disaster. I mean, we shipped that mattress through UPS. That's gas. You know, uh, that person tried it for a couple of days and, and he don't like it. Whatever. Okay, what do we do with that? So we partnered with a lot of a lot of very small uh, charity, uh, and we give that mattress back. So that allows us to save a lot of money on transportation because what we do with the charity is we tell them, here's the address. We're going to coordinate the pickup, but we're not paying for it. But the good news is that you got an almost brand new mattress that you can give to someone in need. And on the other hand, the consumer is happy because even though you had to wait maybe two, three, four, five days extra for us to find the right organization, we also try to find local ones so that there's no, you know, a, yeah. a, a massive organization that goes from, uh, that's go a kilo, 100 kilometers away from their, where the mattress will be, right? And, and they're very happy. So that organization take the mattress, give it to someone in need. So at least uh, ecologically speaking and from a conscious standpoint, I'm mm. happy that I was able to help someone at least, but it is a pure loss. Yeah. So one way to mitigate that, where I think a lot of people will fail in that business is the quality of the product again. Mm. If you cheap out on the quality of the product, um, you're, you're going to pay eventually the high price. Same thing for you know warranty. I think there's a gimmick in the mattress industry where everybody gives 25-year uh, lifetime warranty. But when you look into the nitty-gritty of that warranty, um, you know, they won't cover sagging, which, which is, is the biggest problem well, you'll have in a mattress. In our case, when we say 10-year warranty, we, we, we have a warranty that says, and we tested it, there's less, less than 6% deflation on the first layer of foam after 10 years of use. So technically speaking... It might be different if you're 350 pounds and sleep in the same position all the time. Mm -hmm. But again, for 10 years, you won't see major changes in the comfort and the support level you'll mm -hmm. have when you buy a policy. To me, that is important because long-term, again, as a brand, that's what's going to make or break uh, a lot of companies. Yeah, because right, right now, at the current state of your company, I think you're investing a lot on getting the brand out there, getting the name out yes. there. Um, do you mind discussing, so you, you sell... On your website, yep. which I'm assuming is Shopify or Magento. It is a Shopify website. Yep. Perfect. You're also selling on Amazon. Yep. And you have your pop-up store for the, for the season in the, the Ethan Center, I believe, or Montreal Trust? It's Montreal Trust. It's actually in between, yeah, Montreal Trust. Uh, we also have 20 partners, local stores across Canada. So they're furniture stores. And uh, we gave them the mattress and we told them, look, some people want to have physical interaction with our products. Do you mind if we give the mattress to put some information and 
we're going to give you a small commission if you if you sell one of them, and at the same time, that's going to bring you traffic. It's like affiliate marketing, basically. Yeah, it is there affiliate tra- marketing, <laughs> but, but from a physical standpoint. Exactly, that's so interesting. Everybody's winning. Um, so that's something else we, we have. We have uh, around a little bit more than 20 partners. Um, and how I see it is just like any healthy business uh, do not put their eggs in the same basket. Uh, right now, uh, from, a, from a financial standpoint, and any e-commerce playing a risky game. Protein is a very good example of that. Nowadays, if you have a protein company, you sell online exclusively to acquire a consumer, you're going to lose more in marketing than what your first sale is going to bring you. 100% sure. You have to base your business model on long term, which is to me absolutely insane. In my position, in my business, that would be (laughs) completely crazy because the buying cycle is so long. Like a consumer who buy a mattress will rarely buy two, three others even though it happened in our case. But uh, so what you have to be careful about is to, to not be too dependent on marketing initiative. And the problem with e-commerce is that you are. Without Facebook ads, without good remarketing, without good email marketing strategies um, and AdWords and all that, you're going to have a very hard time. So that's why it's Amazon... Also, it's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah, people we'll forget that it's not the puzzle; it's the piece of the puzzle. Exactly, so all of them together work well. But exactly. if you put all your eggs in one basket, all AdWords one day, for example, exactly, just a matter of time. Yeah, but at the end of the day, paid advertisement is a necessary evil. Yeah. If you don't, if you plan opening a website and not put and put zero dollar in paid marketing, I mean, you better have a very very disruptive product. Mm. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's just going to be in a competitive landscape. You kind of have no choice. So on that, and that's why I think it's very healthy to have, you know, marketplaces. Amazon obviously is one of the largest ones, but we're also on Best Buy. We evaluated, evaluated Wayfair. It's not happening right now, but even maybe, maybe eventually Walmart or other marketplaces, Costco, where depending on the margin they ask, we want the product to be out there. It's just secure it a little bit more and also give a bit more weight to the brand. Okay, they're sold at Best Buy, they're sold on Amazon, you know, they're not just a small, medium, uh, small company that might go bankrupt tomorrow. I don't remember the exact statistic, but in terms of product research, I believe Amazon is kind of overtaking Google at this point, where people actually yeah. search for product information on Amazon before they go to Google. Yeah. And also reviews. You know, on Amazon, uh, you can't fake your way around with reviews, right? Not anymore. So, <laughs> they changed that, it. I the, love that. I love that. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really... Uh, an advocate of legitimate reviews and I think it's very important yeah. it's just nowadays a bit too easy to you know uh, get a lot of them easily and that's why I like Amazon to be honest mm. uh, the last part of the puzzle is how do I have physical interaction with my product rather it's and we're evaluating that next year it's going to be a something we're going to put a lot of energy into wholesale uh, hotels that become hotel boutique maybe where people have a good sleeping experience they can buy the products um, brick and mortar, maybe go into distribution. Um, Airbnbs, we have a couple of partner Airbnbs that buy our mattresses to advocate the brand because at the end of the day, you go on vacation, sleeping is important. So if you have a good experience and some rebate, that might incentivize some people to, to buy our product. So what's the, what's the cost of managing that? So for a lot of companies, it's all, we'll send up a bunch of free products, yeah. but you don't know if that, that's the one thing I think the time of managing that. You got to be very wise on how you automate this. Um, there's a lot of way to automate that 
but it's it's not cost efficient, especially at the beginning. Just like Amazon, you know, uh, when you put a product out there, just like Shopify, you got to invest uh, to get that velocity, sales velocity, and the amount of review you need. Uh, you gotta you gotta give bigger coupons. You gotta invest more in marketing so that review comes in, etc. And you become more and more competitive, and then the organic pickup. Same for the website. You gotta buy your way around to get traffic, then get positive experience, and that's gonna help build your SEO strategy. But it takes time. Yeah. So it's just like any business. It takes time, effort, investment to to get to that level. So let's say if you're so for your matches, you expect them. You know, I guess you improve the technology over time, but it's yeah. always the same skew per se, right? Because yeah. you don't want to lose that review long term. Is that something that plays in mind when you're when you're dealing with Amazon? Um, right now, I would say what we did is that we built a very strong product, the Polysleep mattress, that is, I would say, probably by far the best mattress anybody can buy at that price point. And then we asked ourselves, okay, it's just like a car. If you have $30,000 budget, you got to try to buy, to buy the best $30,000 car for that amount. But if you have more, let's say you're willing to pay fifty, but you can only buy a $30,000 car and it's the best you can buy, kind of piss you off and you might, you know, you want more. Even though the difference, you know, per dollar is not that, that big, if you can buy something better because you can afford it, you would like to. And that's, that's the approach we had when we built our baby mattress, the Origin mattress and the Zephyr. Life events are what motivates a purchase for a mattress. A new baby, couple, you move, uh, separations, you know, family coming over for the first time in your house, you buy a chalet. This is often when you're going to purchase a new mattress. And, and we were wondering, okay, if you have a chalet and you go there every two weeks, maybe you don't want to spend a thousand bucks on a mattress, but you want, you want a good night's sleep. So that's why we created the origin. Or if you're a student, you go to a dorm, you're going to spend five years there maybe, or you rent an apartment. But after five years, you're not bringing you'll that be, back. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You, you, might be, you might be elsewhere in your life and all. But at the end of the day, we need a skew for that because the polysleep is maybe overkill, right? So that's why we created the origin. When you have a baby, well, obviously, you won't give the polysleep to a baby. Hmm. So the crib mattress was a logical, you know. And the Zephyr was, was a fun project. It's... A lot of research and try to get the best technology that actually make a difference without gimmick into a single skew. And, and that was so much fun because at the end of the day, that's what we did. There's a lot of a copper infused thing or aloe vera mattress. Well, in reality, it's complete garbage. Sorry to say that. Yeah. If, you think, if you think buying a mattress made of bamboo will change your life, just for your information, um, the fiber, even though it's bamboo, is not more or less organic than cotton. And the process used to do it, the chemical treatment involved to whiten the, the fiber is the same. Uh, and if you have a mattress that is made of avocado or aloe vera, it's still the same chemical compound that are used to make the polyurethane mix to make the foam what it is. Right? So, so that's a lot of gimmick. Marketing, so it's a lot of marketing gimmick uh, that I hope people will not buy into too much long term. Um, so we did a bit of research. One company that we've been working with uh, is called Nanobionic. Um, they're actually FDA approved and they uh, found a technology that can be uh, through a bath um, absorbed by the fiber. And it's a nanotechnology that 
use the heat your body disperses to redirect it into more infrared. And infrared have been proven to help in recuperation. So they work already with uh, Under Armour, Adidas, and all. Um, actually, the new McLaren uh, have that in their seat, uh, the Senna, McLaren Senna, yeah. Uh, so we approached them and we put that in our cover for the Zephyr and actually we have a lot of video case study if you go on our blog with athletes such as uh, Francis Lafrenia, Oris Grand or, or um, race car drivers that saw a difference. Hmm. Wow. So yeah, we, 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 we were saying how can we incorporate all that technology into a flagship product where without going crazy but you know being able to invest two three thousand dollars in a mattress you can get access to that and it will make a difference. Um, so that's now how we have we segmented our offer. Did you ever that's think more, you'd be? Oh, sorry. Well, I was gonna say that's more of a you almost tying that to perform better when you're when you're awake to get yeah. optimized sleep. Yeah. You're you're kind of like yeah. There's a whole mm -hmm. lifestyle just on that. Definitely, uh, and that's yeah. a part of that. I wish I had that mattress like post my injury. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy because these athletes, I mean, they're at the peak, right? They they we we approach them. And it's funny, we approached them, we gave them the mattress, and we hired a third-party company to do the interview. Really to see, like, unbiased. What did they really think? Yeah. Do you like it? Some of them, like, I think we did 10. Two of them noticed a bit of a difference, but not too much. And, and some were like, oh, my God, it's life-changing because mm -hmm. they were sleeping on really crappy thing. Mm -hmm. and, and you're like, athletes out of everybody, they eat well, they train a lot. You expect them to already have a good sleeping surface. And some of them were, like... Neglecting that. Are you also then looking at, because based on the events now we're talking mm -hmm. about, did you take a look at Facebook and the opportunity when someone moves, you trick, you can trigger Triggers, that yeah. and then say, okay, show them an ad and so forth. Have you tried that out? Have you tested yeah. it? Does it work? It does work. Um, you know, uh, it, it ties back to the zero moment of truth, right? When mm -hmm. someone starts thinking about something, you have yeah. to be there. Um, one thing we haven't tapped into right now, because I found it a bit scary, but there's a way, especially with pregnancy, to have specific triggers that tells you that person is pregnant based on their searches and all. Uh, I found it to be a bit intrusive. There was a whole <laughs> Walmart fiasco that happened where uh, I think, yeah. the, the daughter got like, there was a thing like, oh my God, yeah, I remember that? Like, yeah. I remember that was like a yeah, bad yeah. thing and actually yeah. Walmart knew before or whatever the company, before the, before the, the mom, yeah. yeah. That was scary. That was... So, uh, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. Nowadays, marketers use the, the, the term data very easily. Yeah. We're, we're talking buying privacy elements. Mm. And I know in our industry, people are already pissed about just remarketing. There's just so many brands out there. It, their Facebook feed and Instagram are going to be bombarded by, by ads. And everybody's saying they're the best, yeah. right? So we try to be you know careful about that. And that's where these video case study with yeah. athletes come in hand where can I bring meaningful information? and let the person do their decision. You know, there's a lot of reviews, a website out there. So we try to partner with them to, to, to see like, can you review the product and give honest feedback about it? Uh, because at the end of the day, I think the consumer will eventually understand that promoted content is not as valuable as organic, real content. Hmm. Yeah. So we try to, to aim towards that. But un yeah. unfortunately, it's part of the remarketing, you yeah. know, strategy. For some reason, every, every summer I get a ton of barbecue. You <laughs> <laughs> not only search anything, it's just audio wise voice. I'm sure it's picking up the conversations we have. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, about food and oh, it it's is. crazy. It's nuts. And it's annoying. It is at some point. Yeah. You know, and, and even though they're getting better at it and we're getting better at it and the message more become more and more organic, it's still very intrusive. So uh, yeah. we have to, but we try to be diligent about it. 
So for the for the long term, so we talked about a couple of line extensions. You also do uh, pillows, yeah, uh, which I think is a big focus now. I like yeah. your little ad that such yeah. time. Like, well, what what's the future? Like building the brand. I heard a lot of uh, distribution channels is important. Yeah, product itself. Well, where do you see that long term? There's two things, ecology. Yeah. So right now, uh, out of most bed in the box company, again toward the no bullshit thing. You know, uh, the box is a good example of what we're trying to do. Um, really push that forward. Uh, in December, we're going to launch uh, an association with One Three Planets, where we're going to give five tree uh, for every mattress bought. And that honestly is to offset the fact that we still have to use plastic to wrap our mattress. Uh, we have no choice, you know. Um, so we can't be completely green. The fact that we don't use spring also, um, the mattress at the end of the life cycle, after 10 years, we found a way with our producer to take back any type of foam and recycle it without uh, changing the composition into under a carpet. So it already gave a second life cycle to our products, so that's very encouraging. So the ecology, I think, as a brand nowadays, uh, you gotta be an advocate of that before the user itself. Hmm. You have that opportunity as a brand to you know, make a difference and influence the user to become more and more you know, cautious about the environment. You have to do it nowadays. I think it's it's if not there's not going to be anybody Wait, tomorrow. Give a tree example. The, what, what happened with the, the YouTuber that started as twenty? I think there's twenty million trees by the end of the year, yeah. and everybody jumped on on it. And it was like, I think Elon That's donated it. a million. A couple of the Twitter Twitter CEO donated yeah. as well. Like you think, yeah, it's very important. People are really jumping in on it. And and again, to me, okay, it might have an impact on marketing, but it, it's at the core of the value of the brand. Yeah. Again. Um, it's, it's a no bullshit approach. Well, you're not right? saying spend more money and I'll do this. You're saying no. this is what you're right. paying and I'm also doing this. Exactly. Because all what I heard is the market price is this, the return rate is what the market is. So like, we're following that and yeah. we're just, we're working it backwards. We've got to make this exactly. work with what the reality is. Exactly. At the end of the day, you know, um, it, it's cool uh, to be profitable and all that. But uh, from a long-term perspective, I think nowadays um, Monetary success is not the only thing you can be proud of when you have a mm. business, right? If you can help the community like we do giving all these mattresses to people in need, that's already awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, and on top of that, if we can contribute to the environment in a better way, that's even better. So from a product standpoint, there's still some uh, pain in the industry right now in the foam mattress, generally speaking. Uh, we don't have too many problems with that, but a lot of people complain that foam mattresses are too hot, yeah. especially in the summer. So I'll actually make you try that, but we worked with a, an American brand uh, that uh, developed a compound that it's, it's borderline scary how efficient it is at drawing heat from your body and redistributing elsewhere on the surface. Uh, it's as, as cold as touching a, you know, a window now at this time of the year, mm -hmm. you know, wow. and it stays as cool as that. So that is going to be a product we're probably going to add next year. It's going to be on a very thin layer of foam. So it won't alter the comfort level of your mattress. So if you already bought a competitor's mattress and you don't want to change it, and, and honestly, I don't encourage you to change it if you, if you like it, right? That would be a waste. Keep it. But if you find it too hot, at least we're going to have an alternative to that. Um, so that is something else we're coming up. And really... Um, Maybe if we can improve our products a bit more, we will, but so far we haven't changed anything. Our return rates are really below the industry average, so that's, that's a good sign. That's a good sign, yeah. Um, but anything that is logical, we thought weighted blanket, but it seems to be a trend. 
and you know, I yes, pop to, is really, uh, it's very popular. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to see if the trend lasts and can we better improve it again? I'm, I'm kind of a follow and improve guy than, you know, driving innovation to drive innovation when you don't even know if it's actually going to help or not. Mm-hmm. So if it works out and there's studies coming out that really make, you know, massive yeah. difference, we're probably going to jump on board and try to make it better. And it makes sense, right? Because you're, you're both bidding against the same keywords usually. So you're both appearing. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and I think we have enough skews for, for the next two, three years to really try to shine in the market. If there's something that is logical, we're going to add it to the product line. Yeah. And how about, I'm curious from you, Jeremiah, point of view, personal career goals, objectives. Are you looking at starting new projects? Or are you, are you, is this kind of getting you an itch to yeah. scratch other things too that you have in mind? Um, you know, right now I'm just so busy and focused on all that. There's just so much opportunity to grow that I don't even have the time. I have some friend in the digital landscape, especially now that I know Shopify and I know digital marketing inside out. And through my past experience, I know digital transformation for retailers, right? Um, I would probably have a lot of opportunity to, to help other companies, you know, uh, go through that transformation mm-hmm. and, and the, the hustle and, and all the complexity that goes with it. I just don't have the time right now. Um, I don't expect because, you know, we have a small team and I like that. Mm -hmm. I like the agility it provides. But at the end of the day, uh, you have to be compromised. Everybody's just so swamped. Everybody's doing things. Because I still sense from you a fire to touch on the consulting side. I think, you know, I see in your eyes that you really enjoyed it. Oh, it's fun. I I just wonder if that's something that's kind of like lingering in the back. I don't know. I sense the product management side, the product development side. I feel like yeah, that's... Yeah. Did you think you'd enjoy it that much? Product development? No, actually, no. No. I, 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 but what's crazy is that I thought it would be crazy complex. Mm. But in reality, get a product out there, have some consumer and real people give you feedback, adapt it, make it better, rinse, repeat. Mm. That's part of the Six Sigma approach, right? Where you're the, the DMAC, define, measure, analyze, improve, you know, and, and repeat that process over and over and over again. And, and that's how you efficiently build something where I don't even look at my competitors. You know, we, we, we started looking at them at the beginning and then we're like, okay, but there's just so much thing that can be improved upon. Uh, where it becomes tricky after is like how much it costs to improve yeah. them, right? Uh, but I have, a, I have a blast doing that. And, and like I said, now with Airbnb, we want to approach hotels, uh, stores, you know, there's just so much things to do. Um, I might end up helping some people throughout that, but uh, I think I can do maybe that through conferences or podcasts or interview like, like mm-hmm. we do now. Uh, so, so we'll see about that. But uh, Polysleep is definitely going to be, uh, gonna be uh, something that's going to grow and stay in the market. Yeah. It's a sleeping giant. <laughs> did you take you did it take you forty minutes to come with that one? No, the whole time? I, I, I do have my last question. I don't, I don't know if you listen to our other podcasts, uh, but we usually ask you know something very personal about you, and we make it you know fun. My question here is: I'm scared of this one. I'm really scared of this if one. You were, it's gonna come because I I I'm, I just got sta- uh, Stadia. 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 Yeah. I just got it two yeah. days ago. Yeah. I'm kind of hooked on the whole platform and how it works. But I'm curious. Since you are a gamer yourself, yeah, um, and a bit of a, a nerd, you kind of hinted yeah. at. If you're stuck on an island and you're allowed to bring one console and three games with you, what would you what would you bring? I don't get the console point. Just three games. Because you know what I just want. I'm, I'm personally, I'm curious to know what he'd bring with him. Is it Xbox? 
PlayStation. I have my own preferences. Oh my god, it, it's so funny that you say that. Let's, let's, let's remove the <laughs> online part of it, right? Okay. It's so funny. So I'm <laughs> offline, right? That would definitely be a switch. Okay. And, and you know, it's funny because I'm a big techie guy, you know, I have every console. I'm building a new PC to game. I don't even have the time to game nowadays, right? I got a crazy setup and I can't even use it. Um, I like Nintendo approach to how they design games. Out of every game, you know, there are no crazy, stupid monetization gimmick. Uh, they don't focus too much on the visual, but more about the story. And, and I'm reminiscent of what I used to play as a kid. And, you know, I, I have that feeling from Nintendo products. Mm -hmm. And I found it pretty cool, so that would be probably the Switch. Okay. okay. And any games in, in preference? Any, any games? Uh, definitely, uh, you know, uh, Zelda, any, any Zelda game, I love it. I can't wait for a new Metroid game. I'm a yeah. big fan of Metroid. Um, and then probably, you know, some, uh, if I would be stuck on an island, some probably Mega Man stuff and all to practice my speedrunning. I have never had the time to do any <laughs> of these, so. I love it. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> Perfect. So thank you very much. Thank you, uh, thank you guys. Thank you for your time. So if, if people want to purchase product, let's say here in Montreal, there's a yeah. pop-up store. That's, yeah. uh, I believe it's the, the connection between uh, Montreal Trust and Eaton Center. That is correct. Website? Yeah, policy.ca for Canada. If you're in the States, policy.com. Uh, and uh, definitely pass by the pop-up store. We're going to have it probably until April. Okay. Uh, so and every uh, bits of information is on our website. We also have our customer service if, if you like to talk with someone. So um, yeah, anybody can go there and, and check it out. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you guys. Thank you. We hope you liked this week's episode. And if you'd like to reach out to us or just want to simply check out our previous episodes, visit our website Montreal Marketeers. That's with two e's. dot com. You can also download our weekly episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.